Hello, I'm Danny Gallagher. Welcome to our Business Gateway series of podcasts. Today, we're going to be looking at web accessibility. But what does that actually mean? Well, web accessibility generally means that people with disabilities can perceive, understand, navigate, and interact with the web, and that they can contribute to the web. But today, we're also going to hear how web accessibility benefits others, including older people with changing abilities because of aging. We're going to chat about digital accessibility and how your website and mobile apps can be accessed by everyone, regardless of barriers. We'll find out about how to provide content that is reachable and making you sure you haven't excluded people from your content. Well, with us today is Amy McRae, Senior User Experience Designer, or to you and I, a UXer. Hi, Amy. Hi. Amy, so you're a web accessibility specialist. We're very interested to hear how we can all improve our web accessibility. And I'm hoping you're going to give us some hints and tips. So I thought I knew about web accessibility and then I read some stuff online. Of course I did. And now I'm not sure what it involves, but I think it involves much more of the population than I thought of. You'll have to give us a rundown on it. What does it cover? Yeah, I think a lot of people hear accessibility and think instantly of like people who are quite a kind of obviously stereotypically disabled person. Um, but actually, when we talk about accessibility, we're thinking about 15% of people who browse the web. So that kind of covers people who maybe have vision issues, hearing issues, mobility issues, um, cognition uh, issues and speech issues. But a kind of good example of this is like someone who's maybe only kind of temporarily got a disability. So potentially someone who's broken their arm or even a parent, a mother or father who's holding a child whilst trying to use the internet. And we also think about some kind of accessibility issues, like if you're in a situation in which you can't use audio, how do we relay content in a way that works without audio? So it could be just as simple as you're on the bus and you don't have headphones. How can I consume content on the web, on the internet, with kind of out the additional tools that um, have kind of been decided by the team who've put the content on the site that you need? So it covers a really broad spectrum of people um, and I think that's one of the biggest things that people should kind of think about is actually at any given point in your life, you might have accessibility needs um, that vary from very small to very great. Um, and it covers a much larger percent of the population than you would probably consider. I think in terms of uh, what you're saying about text is quite interesting. Are there many videos now that don't have the text as well? Um, it's something that's uh, drastically improved over the past kind of maybe five years with kind of your... your um, hosting providers like YouTube and Vimeo adding captions as standard. We do see a lot of clients who will um, put text into videos and that obviously becomes really difficult for people to comprehend. Um, so we also work with clients to kind of understand how to do transcripts as well. So it's a providing like an actual written documentation because um, although the technology is very good for uh, closed captions, it's not as accurate as you would hope it to be. And it very much just directly translates what's being verbally heard and not actually visu visually uh, described. So there are um, a one like a good first step is getting captions on your videos, but a kind of additional and really good kind of accessibility step is thinking about what information is actually being relayed rather than just what's being said. So there's kind of it's getting better, but it's not quite fabulous yet. Okay, well this might seem like a daft question, but that's why I'm here, obviously. But why is web accessibility important? I mean, is it, is it about maximising customers? Is it legal? What, what should we be doing? Yeah, I think my kind of like stance as a user experience designer is like the first reason is it is simply just the right thing to do. Being inclusive for kind of all different people to be able to use and 
access services is really fundamental. Um, and we shouldn't think of like different groups of people being more um, adequately kind of serviced by our products than others. But that aside, um, there's a lot of legalities in it. So I think maybe like two or three years ago, the uh, Domino's in the US got sued. I can't remember what it was, a lot of money um, because their online ordering process like wasn't accessible for people. Um, and it basically alienated a massive percentage of the population from being able to use their services. So there is um, a much bigger increase of people taking up lawsuits against companies who are not making their services kind of usable for everyone. And then also financial. So I think um, the statistics uh, or the numbers are about 43 million uh, disabled shoppers last year who clicked away um, from inaccessible websites had a combined spending of over 11 billion pounds. So when you think about it in numbers, and that was just one year, there is a huge financial aspect of just making your services useful. I think also we have kind of um, our kind of generations who are coming into kind of adulthood at the moment. They very much expect society to kind of be positively implementing change, to be more inclusive, conscientious, and generally just more considerate of um, humanity as a as a whole. Um, so a brand that can kind of show its commitment to all of its customers um, and show that they're trying to be um, a positive place that's inclusive for everyone will massively increase their brand position. Um, trust and kind of long-term loyalty so there is a lot of different factors that kind of drastically can be improved with just being more accessible in the long run for everyone. And apart from the legal side of it I would imagine that that's an incredible own goal by any business to exclude potential customers that that would be my front of mind thought it wouldn't be you know oh I better make sure that I've got web accessibility for legal it would be who am I excluding that I could be making money from and, and you know, increasing profits? So, so that's, that, that's quite incredible that a, you know, a, a multinational uh, business that you say, and there's probably many more of them, and you know, I'm sure that, that that has now changed. So what key things should we be looking out for to make our, our websites accessible? Yeah, there's quite a lot of different things you can do on, a, on a quite a, a big scale of quick to implement and then maybe longer uh, term goals. But the kind of basics of visual design is about thinking about your contrast ratios. So like, are you putting dark copy on top of light backgrounds? Can it be readable? Um, are your font sizes working? Um, does your website scale? Um, so I know a really good example of this is like a lot of people on their iPhones have got their font a lot bigger um, or on their phones have got the font a lot bigger. Does your website still work when people have that zoomed in? That's usually for folk my age. <laughs> well, it could be anyone, but it's quite good to look over someone's shoulders and see what they're typing on the bus because it's huge. So just that's a really basic thing is like, can you see your website clearly? Um, and is there a good use of white space and a balance of colour to make sure that people can kind of perceive what you're delivering to them? In terms of images and stuff like that, we obviously have a lot of people who will use kind of graphs and data visualisations. We talked about videos as well. And it's not a case of kind of removing those from your website at all. It's about providing kind of additional copy and context to them. So your kind of mindset with images is like, can I describe this in a written way that would allow us to take those images off so that a person can gather all of the information they need from the written kind of context of that? So it's thinking about kind of just providing additional support for people who maybe can't watch videos um, or can't see um, and they want to be able to kind of like hear what the site is saying. In terms of 
something really basic that's about kind of location services. Google Maps is a fabulous tool um, or Maps in general is a really good tool, but it's really generally quite an inaccessible piece of software. So something really basic that you're, you can do is just put your address and text next to it saying, here's our location, but here's kind of a written version of it so users can kind of consume that as well. Something kind of about the visual identity of the site, we would really advise not putting a lot of like automatically playing videos or a lot of moving content. Um, if you think about kind of your old school going to the cinema and it says, warning, this uh, film contains flashing images. Think about applying that theory to your websites. We don't want stuff that's going to be doing a lot of moving around. It's really difficult to kind of like consume for some users who have kind of impairments with their vision. Um, or generally kind of have motor skill problems as well. So making things really easy to click on, making interactive components really easy to see um, is really important. And then kind of lastly, on more a technical standpoint, the way the kind of basic internet works is that when everything's written in code um, in terms of copy, that's really easy for assistive technologies to consume and output so that someone who has uh, accessibility needs can listen to the content or be delivered the content in a way um, maybe alternatively to visually consuming it. So the more content you have on your website that's actually there um, in kind of code um, or in copy makes the entire website a lot more kind of accessible generally. So a good example would be if you've got an image with writing on top of it, you could add an alternate text which kind of describes what's happening in the image to people. But then instead of putting the text on top of it, you would maybe move that into a text box or a piece of kind of coded element on the site that holds copy. It's interesting. I mean, some of the things that you've touched on um, are quite simplistic, but I think we tend to forget, you know, things like the colour of background, the font size, um, and that in itself is quite difficult to master. I think for many small businesses who are, probably doing it and running their own business at the same time. I mean, probably the Digital Boost workshops and webinars uh, resolve a number of the, the support issues, but you only know what you know. Um, so it's quite interesting. So you mentioned videos and, and a few other bits and pieces there. So, I mean, is that a problem or animations? How does that affect the website accessibility? It does and it doesn't. I think there's... One of the biggest myths in kind of web development is that in order for something to be accessible, it has to be boring um, and kind of lack visual identity. Um, that's not the case. It maybe was the case 10 or 12 years ago, um, but there's been massive strides in kind of making things accessible while still being visually engaging. It can be something simple as you have the video is totally fine to be there, but it's about having transcriptions and captions and allowing the user to decide for themselves how they want to access that information. So the ability to pause the video, turn the volume up, turn the volume down, some really simple things like they're in control of how they want to kind of take that content off of the site. In terms of animations and infographics, you can definitely have those. Um, there's no issue with that being kind of there and present. We've had clients in the past who want really beautiful websites, but they, they also want them to be accessible. So they've maybe done like a global amend that when someone hits the site, they can switch on and off uh, motion um, at the top kind of level of the website. So it means those who can perceive motion and it doesn't affect their kind of ability to view the website can leave it on and get a really enriched kind of moving experience of animations and stuff like that. But then those who 
maybe that hinders their ability to consume content, they can turn that off and things become a little bit more static. In terms of a kind of smaller scale version of that, it's maybe thinking about having the ability to just click a wee pause button on kind of smaller scale animations that allows users to kind of have that control. Can we do that with can we do that with text as well? I'm obsessed with text. And the only reason I'm obsessed with it is I even have it on when I'm watching TV because I find it folk mumble. Again, it's probably my age. But uh, so, so can we flick it on and off if, uh, within a website at certain times or, or how, how does that all work? Yeah, I mean, it depends on how the website's been created. And then also to that, we have a lot of users who have their own kind of uh, supportive technologies that allow them to kind of control websites and stuff like that. So it is quite variable dependent on what the output is and what you would like it to be. But most of the time, I would advise that if you are using kind of video um, or content on the website, you use um, a third-party software that is already huge. So I know that we've said YouTube already, but some service provider that is massive and has these capabilities built in, so it's not costing you any more money or time or effort to establish these things. They come kind of out of the box with that service, and it means users generally know how to work them already they're familiar with the service and all of the kind of additional accessibility um, elements are, are there already so that's kind of my best advice um, but there are lots of kind of smaller scale local companies that will assist with kind of video creation and can put captions on um, as well so it's just really dependent on your needs um, and kind of budgets and outputs. So this is just a general question about web accessibility in terms of the videos and animations does that slow things down uh, do you mean like technically yeah um no but generally the kind of more accessible a website's been built actually the faster it is because there's a quite a, a cleanliness of of code that's been put into it if something has been built with being really clear um and kind of consistent throughout the site then it actually should be something that like functions as fast, if not faster, than a site would do without. You tend to find that when something is very complex, uh, for example, maybe animations that work on scroll, things that are loading in, um, these become much more difficult, difficult to load um, throughout the site. So when you're thinking about making things accessible and having those to be able to be turned off or turned on, or even kind of pause, it actually allows the, the site to load a little bit faster. Yeah, I mean, and this is not, I'm not uh, asking the question specifically for folk with disabilities. I think this is just a general question that we get at Business Gateway quite a lot. And that is, how can I make my website faster? Because it takes too long to do this and it takes too long to do that. So basically what you're saying is, depending on the way you write the code, your website can be much quicker. So provided it's, it's done in a certain way. Yeah, and I think kind of to go back to the text element as well, um, if your website was built in, what well, most websites built in HTML, HTML and CSS, which allows you to put copy onto your site, and that is a lot less kind of um, power heavy than using visual assets because assets have to be held somewhere, and when a website loads, they have to be called in. So the load time of just pure visual assets versus text assets is massively different. So kind of having those elements of bringing kind of text on board first then images later or images called if a user's like i want more than just text will actually kind of help your website in the long run as well okay well we've kind of touched on that so i think most folk are going to need help well i am anyway certainly with you know the tools so what tools are out there that can that can provide that accessibility 
Um, so our kind of governing body of the accessibility gods and the people who kind of set the legislation and, and kind of establish the rules and compliance um, are the Web Accessibility Initiative. And we call them WCAG for short, so W-K-A-G. We kind of, they have, oh goodness, a very long list of passing and fails for the different levels of accessibility that we grade our websites against. It is very technically heavy if you went straight onto that website and tried to understand accessibility from nothing because it is the most comprehensive and obviously the legislation. But they have some really good tools um, that you can use without really deep diving into being an accessibility kind of superstar. They have a color checker tool, which allows you to put um, your font sizes in, your font colors in, background colors in, and your font type. And it will tell you this contrast ratio works, the font size works, or, oh, the font's a little bit small. Maybe you could make the font bigger, or maybe you could change the colors ever so slightly to just make that uh, clearer. So that's really good. Um, and then they also have some really fantastic um, additional tools for kind of writing content for accessibility, which I know sounds like a bit of an odd thing to say, but they talk about kind of how you do alternate text for images, how you describe things in a way that it makes sense, how to write transcripts, um, and generally how to write content that's kind of consumable and parsable for everyone in the most kind of accessible way. So those are the two most important things that I would suggest using. And then there's a couple of kind of additional tools, which I have to kind of preface a little bit with. There's always going to be an element of, I think, statistically, uh, kind of third party accessibility checker only really manages to find about a third of accessibility issues on the site. A lot of what we do um, in my line of work is we do human testing because there's a lot of context applied to whether something would technically pass or fail being accessible. But a third is still better than nothing. Um, and it's really good to kind of get your like mindset into that. So there's uh, one thing that I would suggest using that's a plugin and it's called Wave, W-A-V-E. Um, and it's a plugin for Chrome. And you can install that into your Chrome browser and you basically just click the button and it tells you what errors are currently with your site. So it might say you've got some images that are missing alternate text, maybe your contrast ratios aren't quite right, um, or you've not kind of defined structure to your site in order for users to comprehend what's like a heading versus what's body text. So I think those are really good. How do you get the, the Wave plugin then? How, how does that work? Tell, you'll have to tell us step by step. Uh, yeah, if you just Google, uh, type into Google Wave accessibility plugin, um, it should be the first thing that pops up and that will kind of be within the Google kind of store that's uh, available online and you can just add that to your plugins. It's free. It generally is quite nice. It works really well and it's a really good kind of kickoff point. And the website you mentioned that helps you with the visuals and the font size. What was that? Remind us what website that is. The uh, Web Accessibility Initiative is what it's called but we call it WCAG, and those are the kind of governing body of how we grade different websites on accessibility. And then I guess lastly, if you were really keen to do an entirely thorough job, you can speak to kind of third-party companies to run an accessibility audit and kind of go through your entire website and then make recommended kind of changes and, and let you know kind of where you are on the scale of, of passing or, or failing at the different levels of accessibility. So... Um, maybe one final question. If I do want to do this and I go to a contractor, is that on their big list of items that they would do without even being asked? I think so. I think because of the legality and the kind of move in society 
over the last kind of three or four years, accessibility really is at the forefront of everyone's minds. I think something to bear in mind is when we start a website build from scratch, of course it will be included, but probably a lot of people listening to this podcast already have a website and don't want to rebuild the entirety of it. And there are kind of ways and means to improve what you've got, um, but it is obviously ever so slightly more difficult to make a website that exists accessible than it is to build one with accessibility in mind. Um, retrofitting that in is always a little bit more complex, but there are still a lot of things to do. And also there's a lot of guidance around about when you can see within your kind of accessibility policies saying we're fully aware that like this wee aspect of the website is not currently accessible and we plan on in the next three to four years trying to make it accessible um, or more accessible. So I think for a lot of people, the, the stress is like, oh, none of my website's accessible and we can't make all of it accessible because we don't have the budget, we don't have the time or we just don't have the knowledge. So it's about being generally just being quite clear about what you are working on and that you're trying I think a lot of people think that like a pass fail is a yes or a no but very much you can you can chip away at it and it's better to be doing something than to kind of be doing nothing at all. So in terms of the web accessibility can that also affect your search engine optimization? Yeah um, it definitely can I think we've talked about kind of how content, moving content onto the site improves the ability for your assistive technology to read it. But moving that content onto your site, so content off of images or out of PDFs or files that are kind of attached to your website or videos, allows Google to kind of scrape that content from the HTML, which then allows it to kind of be used in, in how they rank you in terms of your, your search uh, listing on Google. So if someone is searching for carrots, for example, if you had a picture on your site that had the text of carrots over the top of it, that's not any use. But having that moved into the actual website itself, Google goes, ah, this website knows about carrots, so we will rank it higher. So that might not really be a positive effect for um, maybe some of your users with accessibility needs, but it actually affects all of your ability to reach users. So it's kind of wholesale and much better kind of practice to do it that way. Yeah, and it's absolutely a top question that every SME asks. How can I improve my search engine optimization? If I had a pound for every time someone has asked me that, I'd be very rich. <laughs> so that's been really interesting today about web accessibility, and uh, I hope uh, our listeners have enjoyed it as well. So thanks very much, Amy. Thank you. That was Amy McRae, who's a user experience designer, or to you and I now, because we know a bit about it, a senior UXer. And this has been a Business Gateway Digital Boost podcast. You can listen to our other podcasts at begateway.com, where you'll also find more information on all of our support services. I'll be back next time with more Business Gateway podcasts. Until then, bye for now.